0: thankful to be able to sing those songs with you guys this morning. Um, if you've got your Bibles go to Acts chapter 4 Acts chapter 4. We're going to continue our study and, and through our through the book of Acts um, man just some great insights and some great um, doctrinal truths uh, as we read through the book of Acts. I just I've been blessed to as I've studied, for um, for all of this, and man, I'm just I'm just thankful to the Lord for all of this. Um, last week, last week we we ended our message, and we saw that the church was obeying what God had commanded them to do, and they were living out their lives in full obedience and boldness in Christ. And, and their boldness stirred the hearts of men and women uh, uh, in the church to pray and to commune with God and, and see Him as the, the sovereign king of the universe. And what happened is, we see in verse 31 of chapter 4, um, as they gathered in one place, the Holy Spirit was there with them, and, he, and all were filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and the place was shook with power. And, and the reason the earthly church was such a juggernaut, I believe, um, when it came to boldness was because there, uh, was, was not because of their personalities, was not because of their personal giftings, was not because of their, um, of, of their pedigree or their background or their last name, um, but rather it was because the Holy Spirit was present in their lives and they were truly walking in and obeying the Spirit of God. And they were not obeying their flesh, but rather they were obeying um, the Spirit of God. And um, boldness was a natural bent to many of those men because of the power of God's Holy Spirit uh, in their lives. Their default position was, I'm going to be bold for the things of God because I've seen God in the flesh doing what he, can, what he does. And as a result of that, it became contagious to those that were around those men and women in the church. And so we're going to continue in chapter 4 and we're going to start in verse Thirty-two. As we continue, I, I want you to see what being filled with the Holy Spirit was doing in the church when it came to the idea of hospitality. So we're going to start in verse thirty-two. Now, the the full number of those who believed were in one heart and soul, and no one said that any. Of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were um, giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and a great grace was upon all of them. We're going to stop there, but we'll keep going in just a minute. But we see here in verse 32 this text that says, that they were all gathered together in one heart and one soul, and not one of them said that the things that belonged to him were his or hers, but they had everything in common. Now, when some read this text, they they see this verse and they start to think, Well, this just proves that God's pro-socialism. Hmm. <laughs> They're wrong. Um but th- uh, uh, the problem with that is is that the socialist style of government, we, we've, got, we've got a couple different ideas in, in the world in which we live today that meant God is pro-socialism, Jesus was a socialist. I, I've heard that proclaimed from pulpits that Jesus was a socialist. Well, the problem with that is the Bible. the Bible is refutes that idea that, that because here's the, so the socialist style of government, it's not based upon everything coming from the hand of God to us provisionally, but the idea in socialism is that everything comes from the government. Government is God in the socialist worldview. Our, our country, the United States of America, was founded with an understanding that rights did not come from the government. Rights, rather, came from God himself. And those rights were unalienable. They were not, they could not, no one could place a lien upon those rights. And those rights were given to us by God himself. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That was the the mantra of our government and and its founding. And, And the major difference, the major difference that so many do not truly understand is the foundation upon which we were set up with were founded upon biblical principles. Now, I'll be the first to concede and say, not all the men who founded this country were Christians. But the ideas that this country was founded upon were biblically inspired. They were biblical principles upon which we um, were to, to, to set this country up on. And if you read in verse 32, the idea here is that it's not socialism But rather, it's Holy Spirit filled hospitality. The church understood that everything that they had came to them first through the provisional hand of God. So ultimately, everything, everything belonged to God. And so therefore, if a brother or sister was in need, the early church lived open handedly. They were holding on to this world and its stuff incredibly loosely. They they were not so bent on, man, I've got to hold my stuff so tightly because it's mine. They had a kingdom mindset that this is not my home forever and my home in eternity is in heaven with Christ and so I'm going to live incredibly open-handedly. If someone needs something, I'm going to give it to them. Those who had needs would come And there would be men and women who would come alongside those who were in need and they would meet those needs. Christians were to take care of each other. There was no such thing as social security. There was no such thing as, as the government taking care of the elderly and the crippled and the widow. The church was to take... That was the social security network, was the church. We have done a poor job of doing that. And so now we have allowed the government to step in and do what they're doing. James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed or lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, oh, Go in peace. Be warm and filled without giving them anything that they need for their body. What good is that? The idea in the text here is that If a brother or sister that you walk with and you know that they're struggling and they're hungry and they need something like food or they need clothing, they need water. And you look at them and say, oh, be blessed. I'll be praying for you. Be blessed and I'll be praying for you. And we send them on their way. What good is it that you've done? You've not done anything. You've just complicated the issues. That's not showing the love of Christ it's by someone that has a physical need that you see in front of you right this moment, and you say, "Oh, I'll be warm and filled, be blessed. I'll be praying for you." No, how can I get in here? And let me feed you. Let me, if you're hungry, I'll feed you. If you're naked, I'll clothe you. If you're thirsty, I'll give you a drink. First John three seventeen says, "But if any one of you has." the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in you? This is saying that if you can, if you see a brother or sister in need and don't help them, are you even saved? Are you even a Christian? Does God even rule your life? Um, now, now, in context, this is Directed at brothers and sisters, those that are in the church. If someone's in the church and they're struggling, you need to help them. But outside of that, there's people that are hungry. There are people that are struggling. Um, There's a corner in Bartlesville where we, when we turn off to go into our neighborhood, it's right there in front of Walmart, right off Highway 75. And there's often homeless people there with signs saying, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, whatever it is. Um, we started young when the kids were young and, and we would just stop in there and i've just I, i've learned i'm not giving them just cash i've learned that if someone needs if they say they're hungry i want to feed them so i pulled up we pull up there and i get the kids out and we all walk up and we say hey we saw your sign how can we help you? Well i'm hungry. Do you like McDonald's? Yeah, everybody. oh yeah, sure. What do you like from there? Man, i, I love those quarter pounders. Okay? Awesome. So we got in the car. We drove down to McDonald's. Get a double quarter pounder meal. With an extra large fry and an extra large drink. And brought it back to them. And man, he was so thankful. Um, In the recent years, there's been a guy that's on the corner. Gabe, what's his name? Bill. Bill's on the corner there. And Bill... Um, he doesn't want to just get money, so he's over. So he gets scraps of lumber and he builds crosses and he builds different things out of wood. And he, and he, if somebody gives him a donation, man, he wants to give them something in return because he's in the mentality of, man, I, I want to work and I want to do something. I want to produce and and get give something because I'm, uh, I'm making. You know, you're going to give me money. I want to give you something. Well, um, Gabe went over to check on him one day and just to give him some food. And he said he was talking to him. He found out man, somebody stole his drill and and something was something else. It was another tool that he used. And and Gabe was so stirred by the Holy Spirit that, man, he didn't have the tools anymore to do his work. He went over to Harbor Freight and got him a new drill from Harbor Freight and and another piece of equipment to help him make these things that he makes and then brought it back to him. And the guy was just I mean, in tears, couldn't believe that somebody would be kind enough to do that. Like, that's what we should be doing as Christians. If you see someone in need, we should be willing to fill that need. Amen? We as Christians should be marked by our desire to want to live open-handedly in such a way that, man, this isn't my stuff. My resources aren't mine, they're God's, and He's lent them to me, so I'm going to use them responsibly. And it's also a great avenue to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's also another thing. When we're standing there talking to these people, we ask them about, do you know Jesus? And inevitably the question, oh yeah, oh, sure. And then we try to get to explain that to them and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. I mean, they're in front of you. You just filled their need. Now share Jesus. This text is firstly talking about those who are in the church. Like I said in the beginning of this. When he says you see a brother or sister. This is talking about somebody in the church. Taking care of those that are in the church. If you are not taking care of those that are in the church. Are you even belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ? We are to help our brothers and sisters out that are in the church who need it. The whole idea here is that um, the church took care of each other. And it spilled out into those that are outside of the church walls. And we just it just radiated out from there. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the household of faith. If we know a brother or sister is in need, and we, we need to be willing to give what is needed to help them out, especially those that are in the church. Especially those that are in the church. Let's look at verse 33. <clears throat> and with great power the apostles were giving their testimonies to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great grace was upon all of them. The apostles were preaching in all power telling of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ to those who would hear and believe the great grace uh, and great grace came upon all of those that were gathered. This means that favor favor was on them. This favor was to a twofolded favor. Number one, they were receiving favor from those who were outside of the church because of how they were living their lives. Common people saw the church doing what it was doing and how they were loving each other and living out biblical unity in everyday life. The everyday man and woman was impressed with this and was like, man, we need to know more about this. We need to know about this. Now notice I said the common everyday folk. I'm not talking about the religious elite that was pers- that brought persecution on them. Those that were in the city that lived and just had their normal in and out daytime stuff they were impressed with this. So that's number 1, number 2, they had favor and blessing from God in the midst of what they were doing. So God's blessing them and increasing their numbers. And so we see this with all power grace was upon all of them. All right. Let's go to verse we're going to look at verse 34 through 37 now. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold And they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called the Apostle Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. I love that. Son of encouragement. I love that. A Levite, a native to Cyprus, sold a field that had belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Alright, so when God drives our goals and our missions and our mindsets in believers, this is what will happen. Those who are in Christ will live in such a radical open-handedness where if someone needs something, they're going to give it away. If we find out that somebody genuinely needs something, man, we're going to go the extra mile to try to figure out how to meet that need or fill that need. They're not going to live in the mindset of it's mine it's mine they're going to live in such a way that says it's God's God's given it to me and what I have will be freely given to those who are in need because God gave to me when I was in need and you'll have a desire to imitate Christ in this way Ephesians chapter 5 be imitators of God in this way, you'll be—they'll have a desire to follow through and want to see Christ as beautiful, see Christ as glorious, see Christ as, as sovereign and, and powerful and over all things. And, and notice, like, listening. This wasn't a compulsionary arm twisting thing. Like, listen, we're gonna we're gonna twist some arms, and you gotta give. We've got a capital campaign. I'm going to get the thermometer out here. We're going to grow this thing up. We've got a new building. They're not, they weren't doing that. It was a freely say, it, we want to give because Christ has given to us. It was not a compulsory arm twisting thing. Um, we know a church in Bartlesville um, through some folks who used to go there. Um, one of the things when you become a member, they want to know how much money you make. They want to know how much cash you bring in. What's your yearly income? And if you become an active member, if you aren't giving, they'll send out letters like the IRS. <laughs> so listen, hey, your giving's down. We know what you're making. I'm not joking. And this church has three or 4,000 people running in it every week. Just mind-blowing to me that that is happening. And people are just like, yeah, I think that's awesome sure i'll do it why that's not biblical there's no comp- like that's arm twisting like you better man i know you got money you better give it where is that in the text it's nowhere in the text there's no compulsionary arm twisting rather there was a desire to want to to do this because of what christ had done in their lives The heart level desire was to further the mission of the church and build the kingdom, not an earthly kingdom. Build the kingdom of God, not a church kingdom. I was down in Houston a couple years ago. And I was down there for work and I decided, man, I'm going to drive by the Mecca. I'm going to drive by Joel's church. Check it out. I drove by Joel Osteen's church. I literally couldn't even get over into the parking lot because of the, how many lanes of traffic were in there. This thing, the, he, they bought an old NBA Coliseum. Like, what? Coliseum, stadium, whatever you want to call it. It's It has a lot of seats in it. I mean, they're running two servers, like just insane. And I'm just like... Where is that in the text that, man, we're going we're gonna to build this giant thing, this monstrosity? Man, that's nowhere in the book of Acts. I'm all for having a nice place to gather and to worship. That's great. But man, sometimes we just get a little carried away and we build a kingdom here rather than trying to further the kingdom of God. The, these early believers, they understood that the things of the world were not truly the things that mattered. Like, Wood and stubble and hay. This stuff's all gonna burn. Like I heard this illustration one time. Uh, all the stuff that we love, all the stuff that we're like that we fight to to get, eventually is gonna be in somebody's garage sale. Eventually. Anybody done a garage sale and you like you bought like I just remember like we bought shoes. Like, is anybody else frustrated with the price of shoes? Like, shoes are ridiculous. And after you wear them a while, they become either they, they, kids grow out of them or they just don't work anymore for you and you just don't want to wear them or they just add them. And you throw them in a garage sale bin box and it's a dollar a pair. And I paid how much at the store? And we hold really tightly to so many things. And God has called us not to cling tightly to to this world but we're to live open-handedly and say listen it's not our home this is not our home and the church understood this and they said man we don't want to hold on to what we've got here man we want to give it away so that God's kingdom is advanced and man there's the blessing is the living in obedience to God that's where I'm going to find the blessing that I need to live in I don't hold tightly I hold loosely Hold on, loose, Dave. Okay, never mind. I'm not gonna sing it. I, it. You knew it was coming, didn't you? It was in my head that song from there. okay. I just like music. Um, we all should be in this like seriously, all every single one of us in this place should be smack dab in the middle of this same idea. I mean we just our homes Like, listen to me. our homes should be welcome sinners for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our tables should be open to those who are hungry. Our tables should be open to those that are hungry and thirsty, both physically and spiritually, and especially those who are in the household of faith. Sadly, what we've done in many ways is we've closed our doors to those 're brothers and sisters in Christ because we're concerned about how our houses look. We are honestly don't want to invest time in what it would take to, to, to deal with people. It's like, oh man, somebody they're coming over. Oh, oh, oh I got, what? I gotta It's been a long day. I don't want to deal with somebody. I've been dealing with people all day. I now i got to deal. No, this is not. The Bible says that we, we take care of those. Our homes should be mission fields and open, open doors for those that are in the household of faith to get in and sit down and study God's word together and pray together. That's what they did in this book. They gathered together. The text says in Acts chapter 4 that they, they, every day they gather together in each other's homes. But sadly, what we've done is we've closed our doors, and we just we're concerned about how our houses look. We're concerned about what's in them. We're concerned that people might judge us by what's in our house, and we don't want to invest time in what we in, in, in having people into our homes. It's going to take energy, and honestly, the media and electronics of our day rule our time they rule our time these little devices that we hold in our hands they 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 literally consume our lives and so we've We're so consumed with wanting to look at what's on the screen rather than actually seeing someone face-to-face sitting across from me at my table eating food and drinking and having a good time together and fellowshipping and studying God's word together. We're busy wanting to scroll. I'm too busy. I got, I got, I'm busy. I did some research. In your lifetime, the amount of time you'll spend on some type of social media is between four and five years. I'm preaching to myself. Because I'm, I'm just as guilty of taking my thumb and scrolling through dumb videos that are time wasters. Like Let that sink in. At the end of your life, when you're in the casket the day in which we live, you're going to lose slash waste up to five years of your life scrolling through your phone or device. What could you do in four or five years if you spent all that energy you spend on arguing with strangers on Facebook or scrolling through photos on Instagram or Pinterest Fantasizing about how you wish your life was better, and how you wish your life was like somebody else's uh, life that you see online. What if you used that energy to further the kingdom of God? What if you opened your doors to those who were in need to hear about the good news of Jesus? What would what if your kitchen table became a beacon of light where you shared meals and the hope of God's sovereign grace? What if rather than making excuses as to why people can't come to your home? What if you made a policy of my home is going to be a refuge for those that are hurting, hungry, and broken? What if you said my home is going to be a hope-filled center? of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the idea of radical, biblical, Christian hospitality. And the day in which we live, we don't like this. Because we like our little walls, and we like our little houses, and we like our little lives. And we are going to separate. This is my time. This is my place. Don't bother me. It's mine. Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says, And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him were his own. Think about that. God gave you your home for a reason. God gave you your resources for a reason. Not to huddle them in the corner for yourself so that you have um, to live defensively. It's mine, it's my, little, my little corner, it's mine but rather to openly see all as a gift from the Lord Jesus Christ that we're given for a purpose and that that purpose is to see the gospel spread to your community. You have, listen to me, you and I have one life. And what most of us are doing is, or, or have done, is that we work really hard to try to get to a retirement status Because that's what we're told to do. Work hard so that you can enjoy your golden years. But the Bible says that we're to work hard in order for God to receive glory. What are we doing with our years that we've been given? You and I are going to have to give an account one day. I am going to have to give an account one day. Becoming a Christian does not mean that we get saved and then we build a wall around our, our lives to keep everyone else out. We are called by God himself to go into all of the world in which we live and spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're to make disciples. And we can't do that if we're sitting in houses scrolling through a phone. And this is the... Well, Caleb... I can use my social media platform as a gospel-centered thing. You can, but most of us don't. Most of us are posting pictures of food. Guilty. I just made a filet last night. I posted the video. You all saw it. Guilty. We're scrolling through, looking at other people's highlight reels and wishing my life was as awesome as theirs. Bible says don't covet somebody else's stuff. And you know what we do? These little devices make us covet so much stuff. Man, I wish I could go on a vacation like that. Man, I wish I had friends like that. Man, I wish my wife was as awesome as she is. I wish my husband was as cool as he is. Uh oh. You and I have to be aware Becoming a Christian doesn't mean that we get saved and we build walls to keep everyone else out. We're called by God to go into all the world and spread the good news of the gospel. And if we're not doing that, we are in direct violation of God's word oh dear brothers and sisters my heart level plea is for us today that we would repent of this and that we would see every opportunity that we have to share the good news of Jesus Christ not to lock our doors and to keep everybody else out but man open handedly say man if you need a refuge come to my house you're hungry my table's got food come sit come dine come fellowship come be a part of what I've got well Caleb my house is a mess who cares who cares who cares? In 10,000 years, you will not be standing in the glorious realms of heaven going, man, I remember that time I was at my house and, man, I had dust. I remember this one time. I, I, I just couldn't. I didn't, I didn't invite those people over because, oh... We're not going to be doing that in 10,000 years. You know what we're going to do in 10,000 years? We're going to be singing songs of praise with men and women that we open-handedly said, come sit at the feet of Christ and dine. Come listen to what Jesus Christ has done. Here's the message and the the mission of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come and sit at my table. Come eat my food. Come drink my drinks. Come be a part of what I've got. I'm going to live open-handedly. That's what we're called to do and Acts 4.32 and no one said of anything that he had belonged to him on his own. They, they didn't hold on to those things. It's mine! It's my house, my car, my stuff, my money. And let me tell you, I am guilty of this. Your pastor is guilty of doing these things. So don't think I'm out here putting my finger on you. I'm saying all of us have been guilty of this at one point or another. Because we don't want we don't want people to it, it, man listen, I know it is messy to invest in people. It is exhausting sometimes to invest in people, but man, the long-term benefits far outweigh the short-term sacrifices. Amen. The long-term benefits and blessings outweigh the short-term sacrifices and frustrations. And God's given us a command here. And and so this beautiful picture of Barnabas, he sells his stuff and he lays it at the feet of the disciples for the purposes of furthering the gospel. And and what we're going to see next week, we're going to start chapter 5 next week, we get to see what it looks like when people literally do it for fake reasons. And, and and give for the appearance. We want people to know, you know, oh, I'm giving all this away. Oh, look at me. Oh, look at me. You're going to see next week what that what that problem, where that rises. But today we see Barnabas in this beautiful, encouraging moment. The reason he was called Son of Encouragement. He brought his resources. He bought or sold this land and He lays all of it, every dime, at the feet of the apostles and says, go use it for the purposes of furthering the kingdom of God. You and I need to be in that same mindset. I need to be in that same mindset where everything that I have is given away for God's purposes to see his kingdom advanced. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. My 401k... The retirement package, all these things are not, they're pointless. And if the church is doing what the church should be doing, no one will have needs. And if somebody has a need, the church will take care of. That, that was the point. The church said, we're going to take care of those that are in need. We don't need the government. I am staunch, I don't need the government. I need you. You don't need the government, you need me. Period. That is the truth of God's Word. Amen? All right. My hope is that this week we will pursue and love and long for Christ above all else. And everything else that we have is given directly to those that are in need as Christ compels us to do so. That will will not just say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. If somebody's got a need, fill it. Fill it. I'm telling that to myself as well. Fill these needs that are necessary.